0: Today's episode is brought to you by West End, South Australia's most iconic beer. Now, it's a clean, fresh draft beer. There's nothing more local, nothing more South Australian than cracking a red tin.
1: You couldn't write a book about what happened, basically.
2: Just, like, looking at Dad and just crying for hours mm. and didn't stop crying. Not because pain or anything, just because, like, we felt so helpless mm. and so just continuously let down and drained and just like what there's nothing else for us.
0: Well this is a remarkable and moving story of father and son Ian and Seb Steele. Ian started a fantastic charity Kickstart for Kids more than a decade ago and has provided invaluable support and guidance for thousands and thousands of children doing it tough. Now you'd expect that he'd deserve bucket loads of good karma, but life doesn't always work out that way. Son Seb was involved in a life-changing accident that has caused enormous physical and emotional damage to the entire family, but there is also an amazing silver lining. I'm extremely privileged that Ian and Seb are sharing their story for the very first time here with us now. Now this episode does talk about mental health, so if you have any concerns, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Rightio, let's go. Welcome along to The Soda Room, a place where we get to know the real stories behind some of the biggest names in the game. It was like we
2: had won the grand final.
0: <laughs> I just got some new boots, it was something yeah. special for me. Did you understand the significance of that moment? Oh, or, yeah, nothing compared. That's what I thought I had to do as a leader. you got the same unders <laughs> on. <laughs> I've got exactly the same ones on. Ian and Seb Steele, welcome along to the Soda Room, boys. I'm very, very excited about having you both here. Our first father-son combination.
1: Really? Wow. Thanks, <laughs> soda. We, we love it. It's fantastic to be here, mate. Yeah,
0: honoured. Um, first, I want to take you back a little bit. Let's go back to where Kickstart for Kids started because yep. it is a phenomenal charity. Still, I tell us, what, 2011 when you got underway with it? Yeah, but probably
1: a bit, bit before that, Soda, because I did it um, you know, as a family mm. on our own Um just going out uh, Just with the family yep. In the back of the ute Just um, feeding kids Setting up a breakfast program I probably did that for You know Three years Just with the family Doing mm. it mate Before uh, The media got hold of it And mm-hmm. that's when it sort of Expanded a bit You know
0: So Celo Tell us You're obviously A builder by trade Yep How do you go into Taking your ute around Feeding kids from Underprivileged mm. families Into their schools To give them a breakfast How does that come yeah. about
1: Yeah I don't know I don't know That's <laughs> That's right. Uh, Well, look, I think uh, men uh, change when they have kids, right? Mm. Um, Mm. You know particularly those ones that mature maybe a little bit later in life. I and understand. later in life. Like, I know where maybe, you're coming maybe from. Maybe a bit like you, right? Yep. I've always coached footy, you know, played footy and coached mm. footy, and I was uh, out uh, doing some mentoring, actually, mm-hmm. uh, in the some lower socioeconomic uh, areas of Adelaide. I did that through the education department. And while I was out there, I, I noticed the kids were portraying the same traits as my kids did when they were starving, right? Mm we all know what kids are like when they're uh, hungry they're unmanageable right? mm. completely unmanageable and that's what these kids were portraying and i couldn't work it out that yeah you know, these these kids were starving and just uncontrollable they were like i'm, I'm not joking i saw kids getting in year, year reception getting suspended from school for having a full on punch up and as a father yeah. so to, you know yeah. that, that you think about your youngest there's no way he should even know how to throw a punch right yeah my um,
0: youngest is in year 1 now oh, and i yeah. would be Horrified but, if he was in a proper fight
1: Exactly and, uh, and that sort of I thought How can that be And mm. I related everything back to my kids In those early years I reckon mate And mm. and then I sort of did some more um, research And delving into the, the, the social conditions And living conditions That these kids were living in And mate That just blew my mind Because That's when I Found You know Kids Being abused Being neglected Being starved having no clothes, having no, uh, any access to the health system, parents
0: just basically neglecting the kids, you know? And so what made you go, right, I'm, I'm going to draw a line in the sand mm-hmm. essentially here. Yeah. And how do you go yeah. about getting around in your ute and feeding yeah. kids? And, how,
1: and, how does that even happen? Well, again,
0: so I think it relates back to blokes.
1: And as blokes, we, all of us have said, I think, I mean, yeah. you know, I did growing up and in, in my twenties, oh yeah, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Mm. And we never did it, right? <laughs> did we? Like we're all too we're, busy we're all just having... we yeah, gunners. We're, we're, we're going to do we're, this. and uh, You know, <laughs> we're going to do this and we're going to do that. So we're exactly mm. right. And I never did it. And this just rocked my world so much that I sort of made a vow to myself that, right, I'm not going to say I'm gonna this time. I'm actually going to do something about it. And after doing all that research, I thought, well, shit, I can't get to all of these kids mm. uh, because there's thousands and thousands on that. Like they all need a parent. But what I could do is set up a breakfast program and that hopefully
0: yeah. will make
2: them feel better for the rest of the day
0: so so, at this stage what are you sort of seven eight years of age as dad started all this
2: I reckon I was about six or seven yeah probably I would have been in year two one mm-hmm. or two maybe and yeah we used to just cruise around and before school and go to Baker's Delight get some I'll well, fill the back of the up and bread and then that was all I saw of it, and that was about it.
0: <laughs> what sort of impact do you reckon that had on you, though? you influence influenced so strongly at that age. Dad's out there doing this. Yeah. I mean, it was probably just part of your everyday life, wasn't
2: it? Well, I didn't even realise what, what was really going on at that point. <laughs> but I growing up, we had a lot of foster kids come through, and that really changed my kind of outlook and mindset on life. I, I reckon my eyes were opened at a very young age to what could happen if... Mm. You know like life just didn't treat you fairly and that was you know growing up i went to pretty nice school went to scotch and i remember i was probably one of the only ones out of my friends that really saw the other side of the whole world so it was kind of you know it matured me at a young age to that kind of whole scene and Mm. that really probably helped me growing up as well
0: still i can only imagine as a dad with kids now the age said was when you initiated all of this um You've given your kids an unbelievable role modelling and life lessons that most kids never get. And you probably didn't even know you were doing that deliberately to them, did you? No, I didn't.
1: And, you know, probably, you know, I, I, you could probably say I was selfish, right? Um
0: well, I'm not sure about that. But no, but, <laughs> maybe, but, yeah, but, that but well.
1: maybe but maybe to my family because it has in, it it's just engrossed and it's 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 ruled our life. Mm. Kickstart for kids and it and it, it, it has made us who we are today and who my kids are today. Like as Seb has said, we've had numerous kids just come through our house that that, mm. that are um, disadvantaged and we've met through breakfast programs, to the detriment of the kids, like when when the kids get an older foster kid come in um they play second fiddle right Mm. um and and it does affect them you know and they have had to go and have see psychiatrists about it um and still today you know they 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 have a sister that that isn't biological um but we love her don't we Seb? and Mm. and she's my daughter and seb's Mm. sister
0: and you've adopted her
1: basically yeah yeah We, we are not 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 by the law, but we've adopted yep. her. Um, because she obviously... Kickstart, that's how Kickstart runs, right? They're, some parents don't know where their kids are and don't care.
0: And and your daughter, in that mm-hmm. minute, she mm-hmm. came out of some pretty trying circumstances. Well, it, everything we talk about Kickstart, she lived it. Yeah. Um, and she
1: got an education and now she's about to go in and do a nursing and probably the first kid in a family, Sebi that she uh, is
2: the first that kid did, that finished school. That finished school past yeah. year ten.
1: And she's yeah. she she tells stories of her, the people that she grew up with, you know, sixteen year old girls getting pregnant and having to rely on a bloke for the rest of their life. Um but yeah look getting back to your thing, yeah the, 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 the family has been ruled by Kickstart for mm. kids. They've got some wonderful values out of it um and they are uh, the most adjusted kids and able to get on with any kid Anywhere
0: So how Just when you initially started this Where were you getting the food from And how were you delivering it
1: Yeah so basically In the back of my youth right So Yeah. yeah Basically, that's what we, every night we'd go down to Mitchum Shopping Centre and we'd go to some traders around there um, and we'd just fill up with whatever we could and we'd go out to a school. And they'd the, donate the this because it was product well, produce you know, they
0: hadn't used that day? Yeah, correct. That's right. right. And
1: look, Roger Drake got behind it, beautiful man. Yep. He, he was with us from the start um, and we got some yogurt and fruit and out we went and we, and we just did it and, and we saw immediate change in the kids and we were also doing a lot of mentoring and, and you know we, we, we really immersed ourselves in it I guess and we have really to the detriment of, of a lot of things like you know I'm always out talking about Kickstart I'm always doing something on a, on a Friday night or something out to, to you know which was meant that I haven't been able to do other things with the family
0: mm. um, and they all come with me sometimes still what have you seen? What, um, I mean, I know you've gone through some yeah. horrific stuff that you've had to deal with to help these kids, but yeah. w- what's out there that a lot of us don't see?
1: Um, well, and look, not only me, but, but the family's seen it mm. as well. Like, you know, we've had kids come through that have had, you know, cigarette bar- burns on, on their arms. You know, they can't eat with a knife and fork. Black eyes. Black eyes, or they, they just... You hoard food they see it and they grab it and they shove it in their pockets i mean it's it's heartbreaking um the organization has has met kids mm. that have been pimped by their parents to the parents drug addicts so Jeez. you can take that how you i mean that that is yeah. as worse as it gets soda right God. and that's what happens out there you know we've seen kids that are used as collateral by their parents in order for Kickstart for kids to help them, so if you don't if if you don't uh, buy me some food, my child's not going to come to camp Kickstart. Oh, wow. um, I mean, that's
2: a normal thing for them, like in their head, that's like a. Yeah. Yeah. So so
1: it's we deal with the kids that slip through the cracks, the kids that don't get taken by the agencies away from their families. Yep. We deal with the kids that are still stuck, unfortunately, in their families and they're still getting abused and neglected today.
0: And I know you, you've told me about this in the past because I'm so familiar with what you do, is you've got six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kids that are essentially running the household, looking after little ones, looking yeah. after parents. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: I it's, can't get my head around yeah, how how a seven or eight-year-old kid can run the family. Well, they're very mature
1: but beyond their years, aren't they, Seven? Yeah. Um, well, you know, humans, uh, Soda, and particularly kids, are so attached. Adaptable and, mm. and and resilient, right? Mm. And, but adaptable, like we get used to an environment like that, and to us, then that is normal. Okay, so the normal for us with kids coming through our house and having six kids, seven kids in our family, because that's what we what we had, um, is normal. And these kids, that is normal. And that's the sad thing about it, Soda is that the normal for them mm. is not normal. Oh,
0: it, it's not. It, it shouldn't be normal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What have you learnt, Seb, as a young man seeing this in your life with other people really being disadvantaged?
2: Yeah, it's kind of like... Um, I remember I used to go out to the camps. they do run camps every holidays and um, not many teenage boys would, especially you, know, you would have looked at me when I was in school and you would have been like, there's no way that guy wants to go out and you know help these kids. But mm. I guess it kind of taught me just like the little tiny things in life, like these kids will go out to the camps and like outside of the gates, there's no smiles, nothing. But as soon as they come in, they're just like on top of the world and they feel Mm. almost like equal to everyone else. And, you know, they get given food and their day's normal. They get to go out all day and it's kind of just made me appreciate the little things in life a lot more than probably everyday teenager would have. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just... Really, like, I loved just seeing these kids have fun and smile and feel like they weren't starting off, you know, ten steps behind a kid that was growing up in a normal environment with, you know, a loving family and stuff like that. And it was just, yeah, it was really good being able to, you know, really see yourself change these kids' lives. Seb's done a lot of mentoring.
1: Mm. You know, as a young age, like as a 16-year-old, he was mentoring, you know, a, a young Indigenous kid that... Uh,
2: you know, it's the worst upbringing you've yeah, ever been
1: had, here. Had I no, had no mum and dad. He, you know, saw mum kill herself, and um, you know, and said mentor
0: for quite a few years. Mm. You know, which mm. is unusual for a sixteen-year-old boy. Of course, mate, you yeah. know? Well, as a sixteen-year-old boy, the world revolves around you. I would think. <laughs> yes, you know, that's everything's right. done He's for that. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, but yeah. that age, yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine you're developing yeah. empathy and all these other yeah, skills.
2: It was in different areas than a you know, like a normal teenager would really feel empathetic towards like i'd you know see these kids out and just that would be my source of happiness whereas mm. you know yeah that was just mm. enough for me to kind of go out and see this kid every sunday and muck around with him all day and just make sure he was having a good week coming up and then yeah it's just something different i guess
0: you chip off the old block seb i can see that <laughs> can already. Try. um Ian, now that we're sort of 12 years on from mm. the initial start of Kickstart, yeah. give us a bit of a snapshot of what Kickstart does now and what sort of numbers. Yes,
1: well, so yeah, from that little uh, little uh, back of the ute, we now serve 60,000 breakfasts every week. We make 10,000 sandwiches for lunch because the kids that go to school with no breakfast don't have any lunch. We, work, we We run something called Camp Kickstart, which is looking after all the really disadvantaged, at-risk kids during school holiday time. Because uh, that's when they are at risk, when they're at home. Uh, we run um, Kickstart for Kids Against Period Poverty. Again, you know, we've got to make the, the young girls feel good about themselves and they don't go to school during that time of the month.
0: Because a lot of these girls don't have any products, no, don't have any education about no, dealing no, no, with no. periods. I actually
2: exactly? remember seeing a girl at Camp Kickstart that came up to me and was trying to talk when I was like 16. She was trying to tell me that she was on her period and I was like, I don't know like what you mean <laughs> like. Yeah. and she's like I'm like bleeding and I was like what are you talking about and she yeah. did had no idea what a period was like yeah. Yeah. no clue oh, and That's... I'm fine talking about that yeah, but I was just like I shouldn't be the one to have to explain to you what a period is like mm. yeah. you know you sit down with your mum when you're younger and talk about that of or course. at school or something but they just have no idea about it or some of them anyway yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, obviously they'll miss that whole week of school because they can't deal with it.
1: Mm. Uh, yeah, so that, um, you know, we run a Future Pathways program, so trying to, you know, uh, look after the kids once they go into high school. Look, it's all about making the kids feel good about themselves. Mm. So It's all about mental health, mate. Mm. If it, like, if you look back... 11 or 12 years ago That that, yep. that well-being It wasn't really a word For us you know, No it well wasn't. Look, we, we sort of knew about it But no one talked about it Now if you relate Everything to Kickstart for kids It's about The kids' well-being And about yep. them feeling Good about themselves
0: i take my hat off to you Stilo Because you are A, a wonderful human being And you're selfless And obviously you, Your kids now Understand what that's like Because you've Been as good a role model I think as there probably is On the planet And I know you've been Nominated for Australian of the Year And people have recognised And understand what Kickstart does but the reason why I wanted to just sort of set the scene with what's happened over the past decade is because when we get to September 2021, mm. um, for a family that's given so much, you had such a tragic moment. Now, both of you guys haven't talked about this mm-hmm. situation. That's right. Um, and we spoke about this a little while ago and and you said, you know, still that you feel ready to talk about it. Yeah, um, that's right. Because oh, I think there are some amazing lessons that we can mm. all learn from this. So, Seb, I... You know, just before we talk about it, I want to thank you guys for coming in and doing what you're about to do, because I'm amazingly grateful that you want to share that story here, um, because I think it can do so much for so many people. So, Ian, why don't we go back to September 2021? Yeah, Tell us yeah, what happened.
1: Yeah, sure. So, look, just before I start, um, yeah, Seb and I haven't told this story, and and we haven't even talked about it, and... I Guess the reason why we're here is because we feel comfortable with you, and I feel and, and Seb feels that the, the story needs to get, I need to tell my side of the story. Mm. Seb often talks about his side of the story, but the side that Seb talks about is, um, I'm not going to say it's not real, but my brain made it up. It's, it, yeah, and it's also only looking at the positives, which is how we've got to run our lives, right? But, um, yeah, so September 21, we own a, 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 a family um, logistics, refrigerated logi- logistics company, yep. of which um, Seb came out, out and worked uh, when he left school. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he we've got a big chiller in that um, in that company, which looks after all of the refrigerated food that goes out to restaurants and supermarkets and all of that type of stuff. And Seb was um, in there as a forklift driver. And I was actually having, I actually had to work that morning as well um, because well, we were short-staffed, I reckon. Yeah. Night before we went out uh, and had a beautiful dinner with a with a with a foster child Jordan, mm-hmm. and I got to work before Seb. Um, it was September. It was bloody freezing cold. I remember that. You probably don't remember. It was, it was really cold in the chiller. Um, and I'm working away. Seb start started about seven. I got there at about five thirty. Seb gets in at seven, and um, jumps and, and goes and works on on the other side of the chiller, um, and I kept thinking to myself, oh, shit, I've got to get off. I've got to get off this forklift and go and do some work because I own the business. Mm-hmm. I'll get Sebby onto this forklift. And I never did. Um, Sebby's working on the other side of the chiller. And, and I, I sort of, uh, I could see see him coming out of the, uh, I could see a forklift coming out of the back of a truck um, out of the corner of my eye. And I knew Seb was over there. And all of a sudden I, I I heard this absolute, like, scream, you know, like, Dad, Dad. You know, help me, Dad, help me, Dad, help me, Dad. And I, and I knew, I couldn't see because it wasn't in my line of sight, and I knew that something, obviously, something had gone really wrong. Mm. Um, and I'm sort of, I run over there, and I knew, I couldn't see anything, but I knew, shit, what's going on? Anyway, I get over there and, and, I, and basically Seb's under the forklift, right? He's been run over, going down. A, a steep ramp by uh, a forklift and um, the forklift's basically on top of him, you know. Uh, r- you know, really the story starts from there. I mean, you know, it was, uh, you know, I had staff in there. I had to get get the staff out of there because I had to look after them. You know, I know, I remember, I remember, what I remember next is waking up at the gate of, um, mm. of our depot, right? So clearly I've, it, it, it. I just ran, which we all do, right? When we're scared, we just run,
0: right? We fight and or up at the gate. Yeah. So yeah. from seeing Seb in that scenario mm, mm. What, what's happened in between there? Have you have you consciously or sorry, have you subconsciously blocked your mind out? No,
1: I, I just I just ran, right? I woke oh, up right. at the gate, think shit, what am I doing here? So I ran back. Got back into into the into the chiller. Um Seb's under the forklift on his own thinking, you know, how hey, am I getting out of here? I'm so I'm you know, adrenaline, mate. Funny thing, right Mm. Trying to lift the forklift off Trying to lift it up Can't do that So I'm thinking, shit, now I'm going to have to drive the forklift back over him To get the forklift off, right Um, And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to lift it off Couldn't do it You know, I'm panicking I'm like, just, you know that My heart's trying to get out of my chest I'm like, what am I going to do, you know Mm. So I had to get on the forklift. We get the got the forklift off him. Obviously, you know, so, kids screaming. So can
0: I ask? So Seb, you're under there. Yeah. Um, and I'll ask you in a moment where how you felt with that. But still, you're sitting on the forklift, knowing you have to drive it. Yeah. We had to get
1: the forkl- oh, we had to get the forkl- Had to get him out from under the forklift because the forklifts yes. on him. Right on him. Didn't know the damage that had been done to him at that stage, but knowing full well that we're talking about a five tonne forklift here, Seb. Can
0: you recall what happened?
2: I can – so your brain's a crazy thing. So I can recall perfectly my side of what happened but my brain has made up a complete like just fantasy of what happened because I don't – I wasn't really alive for the whole Mm. that bit. So – but I do remember sitting on the back just like, you know, nothing nothing going through my head – feet dangling off the edge and then like just the connection of the floor is kind of like a sharp corrugated I don't know sheet floor and uh it caught my boot between the wheel and the floor and I just remember getting just like thrown off and then I reckon I hit my head pretty hard or something and then that was about it I remember just feeling completely helpless and like I was just like what the fuck do I do here like like I can't do anything about this and then yeah kind of in and out for however long I reckon what was it like 40 minutes or something mm-hmm. yeah. just like bit of just crazy memories and like just coming back and forth through life really and then um Jeez. I do remember look oh, I remember like dad being on top of me like you don't want to look at your leg or you don't want yeah. to look at anything right now because it was all yeah. obviously, you know, everywhere.
0: Could you feel pain?
2: Um, I'm guessing I was in... I, I feel. I remember feeling really, really uncomfortable. Like, I'm guessing I was in a lot of pain at the time, but I don't recall the pain I was in. I was just mm. like nothing was... It just didn't feel right because mm. I hadn't seen my leg yet or anything mm-hmm. below I was just held down like this and then I remember managing to have a look and seeing just like bone really and then I was like it all kind of just like punched me in the face and I was started freaking out and I was like oh my god what's going on like just knock me out like just punch me in the head because I just wanted to be asleep because I just yeah I didn't know how to handle it really
0: still like as a dad, mm. the only thing you want to be able to do in your life Yes, is, is protect your children, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah You know, it's the one thing you want more than anything you do, and, um, um yeah w- Yeah, w- what happens when well, you, you, you get that off and you, you see Seb leg?
1: Yeah, well, you know, um, you know, leg ran the wrong way Gaping, gaping wound, um, blood just pissing out everywhere Um Seb not breathing, um, you know, having to, having to resuscitate, um, you know, and it just happening, going on and on again. That the, the panic, just going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Waiting for the ambulance, ambulance not coming, mm-hmm. um, you know, one second feeling like ten minutes, um, you know, trying to keep Seb alive, um, yeah, just 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 horrific, um, having to worry about you know, as well, my staff and, you know, get out of here because, you know, that that that's a bad thing that they there that they witnessed. Um, just, just thinking, you know, just got to save him, basically. Just got to save him, save him, save him. And, and um, you know, I was just sort of just telling him that I loved him and, um, you know, we'll be right, love you. As, as I'm holding him, you know, holding him there, waiting mm. for the ambulance to come, um, you know, Stopping breathing, having to resuscitate, um, because you know it's zero degrees in this chiller, right? Zero degrees. Um, you know, it, you know, blood was going everywhere. You know, and, and it was just getting colder and colder and colder and colder.
0: Um, it was just, just. And you are aware that Seb had actually stopped breathing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I had to resuscitate him. Yeah.
0: So you you mm. think about the lose your son.
1: Mm, yeah. Absolutely. And and um, just just uh, just had to just just you just sort of go into survival mode and, you know, I'm just just screaming, help me, help me. No Obviously no one could help. Um, You know, waiting for the ambulance. The ambulance didn't just, I don't know, it was rush air traffic, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it only took, I think, 45 to an hour to get there, but it felt like, like, you know, if I I can't remember anything, really. It was just like that for me and then I was in the back of the ambulance. You know, and I, you know, my wife, who is... Uh, you know, she's been a nurse her whole whole life, mm. medical, her whole life. And if she was there, mm. you know, it would have been so much different because it would have been in control of the situation, but it was just out of my control, you know? Um, and you know, just, just, just trying to save him,
0: you know? So it must have felt like hours.
1: Oh, it it felt like hours, absolute hours. And, you know, he's screaming, you know, just screaming and then he'd, then he'd pass out. And then he'd stop breathing and he'd come to and happen again and happen again and, and um you know eventually uh, uh you know the motorbike guys turned up with the bloody med star mm. yeah the green whistle. green whistle got the green whistle and that didn't really help then the media must have heard about it and the media have camped out the front and they're you know like i mean it was a full media contingent mm. so to, mm. out the front mm. which Jeez. sort of made me sort of pretty angry as well as I was sort of really upset and on edge and um, – but, yeah, look, I wouldn't I, – it, it's surreal, right? And and I and uh, I feel – it's the first time I've talked about it, Soda, and surprisingly mm. I'm feeling Done well. okay about mm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Does stuff go through your mind or do you not have the ability to think in that um, scenario? Because I, I, I,
1: none it of was, us can understand it. No, no. Look, it was just, it was horrific, survival. absolutely horrific. It was uh, like if you, I knew, so the funny thing is I was down at I was down at Port Elliot uh, at Christmas time mm-hmm. and this lady had walked into the water with her four-year-old son. For some reason, she lo- she lost him. And she th- she'd she lost this kid for five minutes and she mm. thought that this kid had drowned, right? And she was going crazy, just mm. screaming at Horseshoe Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really triggered me and I mm. got some PDS really bad PTSD. I've, uh, is, that, is it? post-traumatic disorder? Yes, right. I, got, I got that really bad because that's how I felt. I felt absolutely out of control of the situation you think about the what ifs what if what if if i had jumped on that forklift before Mm. said what if i had told him to go and do something else what if and you're thinking about that Mm. what am i going to do now so you're absolutely out of control and out of your comfort zone like you've got no control over the situation at all
0: Mm.
1: you're not trained to, to help with what's going on um and and you really you all you're doing is hoping You're just hoping hoping, waiting for something to happen waiting, hoping, hoping God, what am I going to do now? You know, what if like, there's no, because I'm not trained there's no, there's no, Mm. right. You just go into training or you go into what you know. No, there's none of that. It was just like, hold on comfort. Tell Seb that I loved him. Um, hold on. No, you're going to be fine. Seb. No, you can't look at your leg. No, you know, pass out, resuscitate, you know, just, yeah, it was just absolute, um, panic. Um, and, and and it's taken me a long time to get over it. And this, as I said, this is 18 months later. It's the first time that I've been able to talk about it. Um, but it's in, it's important um, to talk about it and we feel comfortable mm. talking about it with you. Mm. And, and um, you know, obviously that's the start of the story. Mm. You know, it, it, it sort of got worse from there. So obviously the ambulance comes. Ambulance, com- ambulance yep. comes. You know, we, we managed to, you know... I parked a heap of trucks across the drive so the media cameras couldn't get in and see what's going on. They still managed to get Seb on the news. I felt a bit better, you know, when we are around professional people getting into mm. uh, getting to the hospital. I, you know, rung Georgie, my wife, she met us at the hospital. We get into, uh, into ER, um, you know, Seb's sort of comfortable, I guess, because they've given him morphine. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the ambulance, get him, get him in there, uh, get him into ER. And th- this is the amazing thing of the story. They then go and um, do an X-ray and they come back and they say – and listen, I'm not having a crack at the medical system at all, Soda, mm. right? But but it was um, it was kind of, I guess, weird. You know, they've gone out, they've done an X-ray and they've come back and said, no, no, no um, bones are broken. We're like, what? That can't be right. Seb's in absolute agony, sort of swearing at everyone, just – you know, the, the triage nurses are getting angry with him, telling him to shut up because he's just going nuts. He's in so much pain. We're going, "Oh, this can't be right. So they didn't take him in to uh, surgery straight away. They, they, they stopped the bleeding and yep. did all that type of stuff.
0: No break in the legs. No. Yet, yep. As so, you've said what you've yeah, seen, yeah. you've essentially seen a horror movie having yeah, him in absolutely. his leg. I
2: was on a 5,000-kilo forklift. So when that right. got told, it's kind of like, well, Let's do it again. This, like can't, this can't
1: be right, right? I'm thinking, no, nah, this can't be right. So they didn't put him into in, into an op straight away. They didn't, you know, they, they let him stay in ER. And they were triaging him and, and looking after him, shoving morphine into him. And eventually, George and I going, no, nah, this can't be right, you know. But uh, that's what the x-ray showed. Anyway, went, went in for an op. George and I get a phone call. Um, a couple of hours later, you know, we're waiting at the front of the hospital. Some kind of horror movie, right? You see it on... You see it in the movies, but you never mm. think it's going to happen to you. Um, get a phone call saying, oh, listen, um, we were wrong. Um, your son's been degloved, right? Which means that all yeah. of the, the, the ligaments, the bone, uh, ligaments, the muscle, the yeah. sinew, the flesh has been pulled off the bone, right? And that happened from his knee mm-hmm. to, my ankle. to his ankle. Right. So they've had to, they've had to, they've basically.
2: It's like if you had a sock. Yep. And in the inside of the sock was your bone. Yep. And you pulled the sock down. That was my skin, muscle, ligaments, all that.
0: And just exposed and left the bone.
2: Yeah. It's just, right. just, just on, then, just bone. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: right. I'm not a medical trained person, but hang on. There's no breaks, <laughs> yet. Yeah. Uh, uh, so there was no. They break almost the bone. come out. That almost sounds like they come out with some positive news. Hey, there's no breaks. Well, that's yeah.
1: that's that's what we we thought it, it was positive wow. when we were in ER. That's what we thought. So to get this news. Uh, you know fighter, that, they've done, that Yeah that they've basically ev- Everything out of Seb's uh, mm. Calf has been removed um, And you know We like Well that's it we've got a disabled son You know that's that's what we thought You know that's it we've got a disabled son life's never going to be the same yep. Um And that's that's basically what happened so look he came out of that Op that was the first of six I think um, You know with, with it looks like he'd been In a shark attack you know he had no Calf muscle at all um, and they just sort of joined skin up, draft. joined it up with a jagged scar all the way down. He had a you know massive wounds all over his mm. uh, from his knee up to his groin. Um, that that required skin draft and, and what have you to later date because that you know that that wound you know you could actually see his femur. Um, I was looking at his femur that Jeez. whole time um, when I was lying there when he was lying there, um, and so. The next story started from there where we went in. We, you know, we went into hospital for, you know, four weeks. Um, you know, Seb's just in, you know, just just a huge amount of pain, um, and you know, Georgie and I spend, you know, on one night. She's the next night in hospital, um, really getting nothing out of out of doctors, um, and eventually, um, a doctor came in and said, "Oh, well, we're going to have to amputate your leg." And, you know, that was basically said on the bedside to Seb and I, oh, we're going to amputate your leg. Never been talked about. Oh, yeah, we're going to take your leg off. Like, Seb and I just looked at each other and sort of, what? That can't be right, you know? what? What's going on? But, uh, you know, and then, you know, and but but you're right, the leg leg had to come off, you know, but, but you know, the operations kept going, they had, to, had to keep dra- draining out of the big wound going down his calf um, They had to skin graft, you know, his thigh mm. Had to try and save his knee You know, operation after operation um, You know, just just drugs after drugs after drugs You know, Seb not not being able to move For a dad to see his son like that You know, and I know Seb won't mind now You know, having to wipe your, your son, 19-year-old son's bum mm. You know, please mm. Worst nightmare of soda, right? Mm. Yep. Not, right I'm not yeah. saying Doing it, I'm saying I you've understand. got all these aspirations for your kids yeah. and knowing that that is never going to be ful- fulfilled mm. from now on. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it, it was horrific, you know, absolutely horrific. And, and, and look, uh, you know, that just kept going on and on, Seb, and, um, you know, eventually got out of hospital. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and,
0: you know, the, 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 it, it was just you couldn't write a book about what happened, basically. We'll get to that in a moment. Seb, while this is all going on and, you know, you're going through these countless operations and grafts, what are you thinking at this point? Do do you know that your leg's pretty much never going to work properly again?
2: Yeah, so I remember when we got told about my leg getting amputated, like, we were literally just like, it was one doctor came in, I think, and he was just like, we're going to chop your leg off like today I reckon it was, I was about to go into surgery and like later on in the day and we were like, like kind of just stopped and we were like, what What are you talking about? And, um, I don't reckon, I reckon he just kind of, you know, walked out and like, wouldn't answer any, like that. no one would answer any of our questions. And we were just like, what do you mean? What do we do? Like, this has never happened to anyone. We know, no one knows what to do in that situation. And... I just remember just like looking at dad and just crying for hours Mm. and didn't stop crying, like not not because pain or anything, just because like we felt so helpless Mm. and so just continuously let down and drained and just like what there's nothing else for us, like this isn't going to stop, this is going to keep going like this and then I remember kind of being like, all right, well, Eventually all oh, the tears ran out and then I was like kind of, this was when COVID was a thing so mm. I couldn't have visitors or anything really. So um, I remember Dad leaving and in between Mum and Dad coming in I was just like, I was literally looking up like if I could, I don't know what the word is, if I could get myself, like, get them to put me down basically. Like if I was eligible to just get them to kill me. Really? because i was so just i was just like there's nothing for me like i'm done and i've never felt so depressed and like just empty on life at that point point. and obviously i was really drugged up at the time as well but then mm. that the next day I, I woke up from surgery i still had my leg i was like why do i still have my leg what's going on mm. and then they came in again they were like oh yeah we're going to amputate your leg next surgery Nothing, like mm. kept saying so, that. So, yeah,
1: just it just look, it just went on and on and on. And they couldn't amputate his leg because of the skin grafts, right? So, in, in an ideal word, if you're going to amputate a leg, you want to do it below the knee, yep. right? So, that's what we yep. were hoping for. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got all these skin grafts on the no muscle, thigh area, yeah, on the thigh and over the knee, right? right? Um, and and um, you couldn't, they couldn't do an amputation until those skin grafts had. Um, healed and and they took maybe nine months to heal. So, you know, a lot of things, you know, Seb almost almost died on grand final day again, um, 2021, you know, he crashed at hospital. Luckily, George, she, we, she was there and um, she could see that he was going down fast uh, and and just kept saying to the nurses, you know, come on, what's going on? What's this is, on is weeks after the... No, this is only a couple of days after. A couple of days after.
0: So, so but I, like I'd
2: been stabilised to the point where I was like, Mum was having a conversation with me and then she was like, oh, something's not right. So, yeah, like, yeah. yeah.
1: So this is AFL Grand Final Day, probably our favourite day of the year. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, what's going on? So, you know, then eventually we got him out of hospital, um, you know, six weeks later.
0: Still with the leg.
1: Still with the leg yeah. like yeah. it is. So horrific pain um, but still can't do anything because of these skin grafts, right? Mm. And, uh, uh, you know, then, then, then we, you know, the, we start to go on to, you know, a cocktail of drugs to keep the pain at bay, which, um, you know, which, which he yeah. gets addicted to. Got um,
2: like stupidly addicted to opioids over that. I was taking copious amounts of oxycodone to just get me through the day, which, you know, as a 19-year-old mm, boy, that never is going to end well. Mm, so know, that was six months of slamming enough opioids to sedate a horse. So it was like, yeah, that another thing just Mm. kept on going and going and it just, Mm. you know, it didn't feel like it was ever going to end.
1: Well, we just basically lived in limbo, you know, until, you know, we we just had to get these um, skin grafts okay uh, until we could, you know, go for another operation. Eventually they started to heal um, but then decided that there wasn't enough skin over the knee to have a below-knee amputation. So we had to do an above-knee amputation.
2: Um, It's completely different, like, disability. Like, having a knee, not having a knee is just like, you know, it's crazy. Can I...
0: How... While this is going on, because as we're talking about it going on, and this happened, this happened, this happened, there are days and hours and minutes Mm. and seconds Mm. in between all of these times. Mm. Mm. How the hell do you guys, and as a family... Mm. Get through,
1: yeah. Well, Seb, uh, well, he couldn't get out of bed. Basically, he was he was in bed this whole time. Um, you know, I had to go back to work the next day because it was short staff. So I had to go back in
0: there and you're running a business and you're running a charity where yeah, you yeah. are selflessly helping yeah, yeah, tens right. of thousands of yeah, kids a day.
1: Yeah, we had they actually had Camp Kickstart. I reckon a week after Seb got injured, and all the beautiful kids at Camp Kickstart sent him a, um, message. a beautiful message, didn't they? Yeah, um, you so know, you still like, on, I this did that is... on Facebook, yeah. It's unbelievable
0: this is the thing i find quite remarkable looking after your son because that's all you want to do mm, mm, mm. but i know you have a responsibility that you would feel to all these kids mm. that you're helping with your charity but yeah I, well I, it, so it, just, wasn't me, it
1: was not only me was my mate, family so yeah you know, of course you know, oh my of daughters course are in there working yep. you know my youngest son um you know look it, it's it's been horrific and it's been a look it In the end, you'd go, yeah, it just brought us together as a family. But at the time, you know, youngest son's 14. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't really know what's going on. He luckily um, went away with a friend during the worst time, which was great for us. Um, But uh, the girls had to run Camp Kickstart, you know. That's Mm. that's what we had to do for the kids, you know. We're down there helping the kids out. Um, But, uh, look... It's it, It's just been, it's been a hell 18 months. Finally, they make a date to take his leg off because the mm. skin grafts are okay. It's going to be above knee. Well, you know, that's not, not ideal, but we want it off because the pain is just, He mm. um, can't live with the pain, mm. right? So we have to get it off. So Easter this year, finally, so six months later, mm. or last year, Easter last mm. year, so six months, seven months later, we, we come into hospital um, and uh, they're going to, uh, basically the sciatic nerve, you know, so mm-hmm. being football, you know, the sciatic yep. nerve, that's the nerve that goes all the way down here and that was absolutely mangled. So that's what's giving him all the pain, mm. right? Cause it's all,
2: you know, yeah, it's, it's just it's fractured, like right? A wet tissue if you yeah, something like that and a nerve's meant to look like a hair. Right. So it was, yeah, not nice. <laughs> yeah. No, so, so,
1: um, so they, they, he goes into so 10 hour off, you know, we thought it was only going to be six. We're thinking, Jesus, what's happened, you know? Eventually uh, comes out and, uh, you know, the, the fantastic surgeon's done something with the sciatic nerve, sort of stuck it into his uh, thigh bone, into his femur, um, which hopefully is going to lessen the pain yeah. as such. Um, and uh, so we get him up there. He's, he's he's absolutely high as a kite on ketamine. If he could have got out of the bed then and there, he would have. Right? I actually did he, that he, night. He, know, he was he, you know, so high, Jeez. which is which is a terrible thing uh, because he doesn't understand what's happened to to him. Yeah. Um, anyway, stays in hospital for two days, uh, hires a kite on ketamine, decides to check himself out on day two, right?
0: After you've had the amputation.
1: Yeah, so he's had his leg chopped off. In. Two days later, he checks himself out of hospital, that was... not realising that he's still – the only reason why it's not hurting is because he's still as a kite on ketamine, of which we tried to tell yeah, him that yeah. he's, uh, he was 19 so he can – Yep Do that when he wants to Anyway Gets home Ketamine wears off So we've got a kid Absolutely With No painkillers Apart from like Panadine Fort yeah. Or maybe some Oxies. I'm not sure No, nah, I was clean off Oxies right. At that point That's just had his leg Amputated two days before And we're
0: having to care for him He so said why did you want out You just had enough You want to get out of the hospital
2: Um I have Also I've also got quite bad ptsd from all of that and i still can't i just can't be in a hospital situation and i just remember you know being in there and being like oh my god like just my head doesn't think straight when i'm in hospital and i was like i don't i can't be here like i need to get out and everybody was telling me you don't like do not leave you've Mm. got your leg chopped off two days ago like once this wears off you are stuffed and i was like no, nah, like, it doesn't hurt now, I'll be fine, whatever. But I got home and I hadn't had phantom pain yet. And I... Because I hadn't been able to feel my leg for months because all mm. the nerves were obviously, you know, all mangled down mm. there. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to get phantom pain. And then get home and I'm lying in bed and uh yeah ketamine all out of my system by then and, and how many
0: days does that take since you've been home before it all wears off
2: this was the night of me getting home i reckon mm. two days I So drugs out of the system drugs out of the system what, um, what, what, what happens li- yeah i'm lying in bed and it's just like the worst possible pain your brain can like inflict on you it that's what it gives you and i remember just feeling like my someone was just soaring through my leg again Except it was never-ending, like it was just going and going and going and going and I was in – I couldn't do anything about it like because I hadn't been in hospital long enough for anyone to teach me you know, ways around it and I was just like – So this is phantom pain. Phantom pain, yeah. So, so yeah, there's
1: lots of different kinds of pain, right? Yeah. Um, phantom pain. Why don't you explain? Yeah. Phantom so got, pain, nerve pain. Yeah, so pain. phantom
2: pain was the first kind of issue. So that's like the pain in your – Limb that used to be there—that so it's remove. not just at the site where you've had the no, amputation. No. So, You're feeling
0: it in a in a leg like or a there. foot. Like you I'll can be, feel it in your foot. Yeah, and so your foot's gone.
2: Sitting there in bed, and you know, a meter away from my knee, it feels like someone's you know stabbing my foot or lighting it on fire or giving a cattle prod or something like that. My brain was just like, what what is going on? Like, what is this? (laughs) Like I was 19 years old, never had to even think about it or deal with it. And all of a sudden I'm getting a pain that I, you know, no one knew how to help because I think we're in a long weekend and the whole Easter weekend. So there was no doctors to, for us to call either and be like, what do we do? Like, I can't even explain that to just
1: just screaming, like the worst
2: Um, horrible thing ever,
1: you know, uh, it was it was just the worst thing that, we could, that you could experience as family because you couldn't. There's nothing we could do, right? So he's just screaming, crying. And everyone's in the house. You no, know, one, of his, to one it. of his friends had a stop in just to came over to say good day, and uh, I don't think he's ever seen anything like it. You know, left know, he in Went tears. back to his parents and and you know, he was crying to his mum and dad because of what was happening yeah. at our place. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's all Jeez. part of the story. Like, no one really knows what we went through, what and, and what anyone goes through in that mm. situation because it's it's kept in the family, right? Mm. Um, and um, you know, it was it was just you know, I mean, you know, for his siblings just to see what was going on, yeah, it just affects mm. them and their life and their way of thinking um, because you know, it's just like someone just had a gunshot to them. There's mm. nothing you can do mm. to, do to it. So yeah, um, I got to be
2: sitting in bed, with, and yeah. Olivia would be in there with me at like three a.m. and I'd just be yep. you know yep. swearing my head off, screaming, Crying, screaming, saying yeah. I wanted to die, and she'd have to sit there and listen to me for you know yeah. six hours and it's just yeah. like yeah it's
1: just just horrible. anyway so that that's that's part of the story you know then mm. eventually you know i think a, a week later you know beautiful my beautiful wife mum georgie she'd just been ringing everyone trying what can we do what can we do cuz he couldn't go back to hospital right they, they wouldn't, take out. Him back they they wouldn't let he, you back in he checked we can't get back in right cuz he's checked himself out
0: you can't get in, so there's and, nothing. and no medication. You can't get the medication.
2: Well, like nothing works because I'd been mm-hmm. taking so many opioids beforehand that, for me to it, to stop the pain, yeah. it would have been dang, like I would have overdosed if I mm-hmm. was going to so take let that, that much. Oh,
0: so eventually, we got him into a rehab at uh, Flinders. at Flinders. This uh, is rehab to start helping build the leg, or rehab to get over the drugs, or everything to, just to no, just
2: everything. stump, like. You know, right. post surgery, you're meant yeah. to go into a yeah. rehab for but a few weeks and do that
1: pain. Get the pain under control. Get the meds under control. Get everything under control, right? And so we got in there, um, and that was fantastic. And you know, he, he spent two or three weeks again. We stayed in there with him, two or three weeks in there, uh, and they taught him about phantom pain, nerve pain. Mm. Uh, they got it was almost a pain clinic, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, got him. Uh, I guess they gave him some hope. Because mm. there was no hope mm. before. Absolutely, no one had any Nothing. hope, right? And and you know they got him into the physio for the first time, um, showed him what a, what a leg looks like, showed him perhaps what his life could be, um, and uh, came out of there sort of a different a different person, I guess. But but still, the, the story went on and and the pain persisted. Um, you know, different someone, pain. Different pain. Someone introduced him to medicinal marijuana. Um, unfortunately, he became addicted to that. Um, you know, we have to go back to hospital quite a few times to get him off whatever pain um, medication he was on. He yeah, kept uh, getting get addicted. To that. getting, a, he's getting to addicted different to things. Anything
2: they gave me because of the amount I'd have to take to stop the pain, I would just, uh, like, I'd, after a few weeks, I'd become addicted to that and depended on it. And then they'd be like, oh, you can't take that anymore.
0: Seb, can I ask? While this is all going on physically, you're coming to terms with the pain and all that. What about mentally? Was there a light at the end of the tunnel?
2: Well, in your mind, that was the thing. There was always every time in my life, like Dad would give me, like he'd be like, "Yeah, duck, like, it's shit. Like it sucks now, but in two months' time, this will be happening." Yeah. But then we'd get to that stage and. So say like when my accident happened, he'd be like, yeah, like you'll be a below knee Mm. in two months. Mm. And then, you know, they never did that. Mm. Like that got taken away from me and they're like, oh, you're going to be an above knee. And then, you know, that happened. I was like, oh, shit, all right, whatever, move on. Then they'd be like, oh, you are being a prosthetic in a month. And then I'd get an infection or something and that wouldn't happen. Or Mm. they'd be like, you know, fans of pain only last this long and then, it'd stop, but then I'd get nerve pain. So there was always Mm. just another issue that Mm. everybody in my family kind of had to Mm. deal with That you don't like, no one knows how to deal with that stuff. So it was just always trying to find something, you know, something different to kind of get me through it and. Hold on to. Yeah. Just anything. Mental health was no
1: good. No. Mental health was terrible. And and he's had, he struggled with his mental health the whole time. So I mean, you know, like, I mean, if you think so to, a 19-year-old boy, I mean, his friends struggled with it, Yeah. didn't they? they, they yeah, really, I lost they, all my friends. They really so struggled like... with it. Um, yeah, 19-year-old boys, they're only worried about themselves, right? Yeah. We we were the same. Of course. Um, so they struggled with it. Um, but, you know, we've all – I mean, you know, my mental health was um, – I mean, you know, I'm telling you, Soda, for uh, – you know, I used to be – you know, I coached footy for 10 mm. years. I used to be the life of the party, mm-hmm. you know, probably the alpha male, you know, mm. being a footy coach, um, you know, but I, for six months, I thought about killing myself every day, every day I knew how I was going to do it. Didn't do it because of my family, mm-hmm. but I knew exactly how I was going to do it. Um, and, uh, it, I'm only just starting to feel better now. You know, I couldn't, you know, my mates were trying to, to, to ring me, to talk to me. I couldn't talk to them. I couldn't talk to anyone. Because mm. we were just trapped in this in this nightmare that no one could get out of. And I couldn't explain it to my mates because how are they I'm thinking, how they going to understand what's mm. the use of talking to them about? It? It's not they can't help me. Yeah. Um so, you know, I had one beautiful friend that really persisted and persisted and persisted and, and he eventually I, I spoke to him and felt so much better. And you know, I I've apologized to, you know, and I would apologize to a lot of those guys because I, I pushed them
0: away. Really, yeah, but you, know. mate, you you didn't do anything wrong,
1: no, no, but uh, you know, you, you, as males, we need to talk, don't we, mate? And, Absolutely, um, you we know, do. And, and Seb's exactly the same, and um, yep. you know, it's been a, it's just been a, a journey of everything, you know, really, and um, and and then you know, we look at Seb now, and 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 I always used to say to him when Seb, I mean, the amount of times. Seb's been in tears in my arms And, and, mm. and in Georgie's arms as well mm. Which again is a, You know You're thinking about Your 19 year old son There's no way that That should be happening mm. Again It's part of our nightmare And the amount of times he owned, And you know He's just saying I want to kill myself I don't want to be here I don't want to be here no, you know, no one cares about me You know all of that And I kept saying to him Mate I promise you I promise you that At some stage In the near mm. future mm. You're going to You're going to walk Down the road With your prosthetic leg on, mm. with your shorts on, with your top off, right? And you've got your tattoos out and people are going to go, oh my God, look at that bloke there, right? Mm. And we've got to that stage, you know, and, and um, you know, it's been a,
0: a bloody long journey, but, but we're nearly there. Seb, I said, look, I'm, I, can't, I can't comprehend this from, from either point of view, as a dad or as a young man trying to remember what i was doing and thinking at 1920 and and so forth um as you guys have navigated your way through hell by the sound of things uh, dad mentioned you're nearly there yeah Yeah. tell us now what you're doing because and the hands are going up on the back of my neck because i know what you are doing but tell people what you're doing now because it's bloody magnificent
2: yes i've started kayaking i always said i wanted to as soon as my accident happened i you know, there was one light of the end of the tunnel was I wanted to go to the Paralympics. Like mm. that was, you know, that's mm-hmm. something I wanted to do and now I've you know, I'm getting I'm not saying I'm there, but I'm getting there slowly and I'm mm-hmm. ticking boxes and I'm now kayaking. Um training every, bloody hard. Yeah, training every single day, you know. Got a sassy scholarship which is crazy. Yep. Made a that's time. The over, sports institute here, yeah. In the South Australian Sports Institute. Yep. Um training I've made a time over in Penrith, like podium potential time or something it's called, which is just I never thought that would happen or anything like this, which is insane. Like, yeah, I lost majority of my mates through my accident um, and I've made, you know, so many more friends out at kayaking and it's just like it's a different world to what I was in beforehand. So I've set myself up, my family have helped set me up in a, position now where I'm looking at a better, way better future as to what Mm. I was looking at, you know, when I was 19 and driving forklifts and trucks every day and going out drinking all the time and doing all that. And like, you know, it's just mental as to what life can, how quickly Mm. it can change and then change again and, you know, just keep on persisting and then you get there in the end. So. Mm. That's exactly right. Slowly, slowly getting there and it's just, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. You, and, and you know, so to, you know, but a lot of people say that, don't they, mate? Like, it's the easiest thing to say, keep persisting and you're, you're yeah. going to get there, or keep believing and you're going to get there. You know, how many times have people said that of to some I mean, and we all go, no, nah, it's bullshit. Yeah. But there's a prime example. You keep persisting, you keep believing, you keep trying. The amount of, I mean, if we go through the whole story, but then if you even get to the kayaking story where he'd get on, like, he didn't know how to kayak. He would kept mm. falling out of the boat, right? <laughs> no, honestly, just kept <laughs> yeah, falling yeah, out of the boat. No good. <laughs> like, he couldn't. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't do anything. But but he just kept persisting and yep. and and I'm so proud. And we're all so proud. And and um, you know, along the way, Soda, the the amount of people that have helped. I mean, you know, mm. you sort of put us in in touch with this beautiful man, Jed Olschwager. Mm. I mean, you know, he's just been the you know. We, we he. Stopped. I mean, you know. Like we went through hell and we were able to ring Jed at any stage and he'd go, yeah, mate, this happened or, hey, can I come around and see Seb and, 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 yeah. and he would do that.
2: Like I'd It'd call be, him up at oh. – I'd be in my bed wigging out on oxys like in the worst pain I could imagine and I'd be like call Jed at 3am and be like, Jed, yeah. I don't know what, what to do. Like oh, I'm lost and he'd idiot. just give me – he'd be like just shut name. up and listen, like just calm down. Mm. You're going to be okay. This – this happens, we're just going to get through it one day at a time. Like I'll see you tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And like, he's just the he was the most positive role model to our family Mm -hmm. from, you know, day one of you introducing, you know, linking that up. And yeah, it was just, He's yeah, godsend, really.
0: Well, Jed's a man who who lost his leg in, a, I think, a bobcat incident while yes, really he was yeah. working yeah. as a gardener. And then um, I think he started getting on the rower in his rehab, like one of those ergo rowers. Yeah. And he ended up, I think he's won a silver medal at the World Championships. He has. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He is one of, like you guys, yeah. the inspiration and his oh, attitude charisma, is mind-blowing. and personal life. And unbelievable. I've never been through anything like this. Um, but... In some of these situations I'm seeing with you, Seven, looking at your face light up when you talk about your kayaking your dad's face light up and seeing Jed talk about his rowing those things, it's almost like the silver lining is so strong. Mm. It's like mm. a gold lining. I don't know. But yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like it, it's not that something horrible's happened. It's now that something's happened and now I can my life is going to be fantastic. Mm.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: I, to get to that point, I don't – I can't. Empathise with that I can only try and empathise well, yeah. But it's To see that And to see you as a Big strong boy now Who's kayaking <laughs> And not falling out of a boat And posting times yeah. That well, potentially yeah. You know Paris 2024 The Paralympics yeah. is your goal Isn't it uh,
1: and, I hope and, so Even getting getting out of bed You know Getting yeah. out of bed And just uh, Who would have thought That's all I'm going to say Who would have yeah. thought You know We kept talking about it And we kept talking about it But did I believe It was going to happen Soda No No you know,
2: it was just... Everyone would say it, but no one yeah, believed it, but, I don't think.
1: But, but here we are today, um, and, and we've got to, you know, I, Jed's the same. You know, Jed's life would have been completely different if he didn't have his um, injury as yep. well and his accident. Yep. And, and these boys make the best out of um, what's happened to them and
0: d- defines them. What's life like now after those 17 months in your mind?
2: Yeah, well, it's been... I've, you know, it's been shocking up until probably only a few months ago, really, mm. if I'm being honest. And as Dad said, like, I've been, you know, lost my leg, been through countless drug addictions. I was at my heaviest. I would, with mm. a leg on 112 kilos.
1: Put on 30 kilos.
2: Put on 30 kilos in like, however long, like, <laughs> fat, big boy. And, um, <laughs>
1: Again, as a nineteen-year-old, yeah. yeah, yeah, just awful. And yeah. hated himself.
2: Yeah, hated myself. Lost all my friends. Like everything. Yeah. Like life was just crashing and tumbling. But um, then yeah, started started kayaking. Made new friends. Got fit. Yeah. And I remember you know, my coach always says to me, "Bernie," she says, "you know, like." You can wake up in the morning, you feel so shit and like, you can be in so much pain, but as long as you just keep showing up every day, mm. you, you're going to get better. Like, even if it's a tiny, tiny bit and I, every day I wake up and I think about that, like just show up. Yep. And if you're showing up, you're winning. Like it's better than lying in bed and feeling sorry for yourself and thinking, oh, life's shit, life's never going to get better. But, you know, life can get better if you make it and you mm. just... It's on you really, like no one else can do it for you. you, you've just got to show up.
0: What have you learned about yourself Seb?
2: Uh, I've learned that I am a lot more flexible, not flexible, <laughs> that was not the right word, I'm not very flexible <laughs> actually, I'm a lot, a lot more grateful for people around me helping me now than I was when I was about, you know, 17, like it was just me like mm. i you know whatever mm. and um i've matured so so much in such a short time and i'm pretty confident i can say that now and like i've learned that everything changes and just not to kind of hold on to one thing because you know at any moment that can get ripped away from you and if you can you know if you can have a positive mindset on everything in your life and you can be okay with moving from one thing and going to a next and mm. being positive with that, then how bad can life really be, I guess?
0: <laughs> Mate, you sound so mature beyond your years, but again, you, you've navigated your way through something along with your family and friends that is really tough to understand. Still, oh, for you, you talked about all those moments and you, mm. you know, every day you, you wanted it to end. Mm. And now I can see you as a proud dad looking at your mm. son. Mm. Um mm. How do you feel? How's life for you now?
1: Oh, look, life's getting better. Um, you know, I still have my moments of you know when I when I think about what happened, and mm. um, but look, um, life's getting better, and and uh, you know I'm a, so proud of our family mm. um, to to get through what we got through. Um, we're all proud of Seb. We're all looking forward mm. to see what where Seb goes. Um, yeah, look, life's getting better, Soda, you, know? mm. you know, and it's going to get better. It's mm. going to get even better, you know, and look, Seb's one of four kids that we've got, right, mm. um, and, and to be honest, the focus has been on Seb for 18 months. We've got mm. to start focusing on our other kids mm. as well, yeah. you know, yeah. um, but uh, immensely proud um, of everybody. What have you learned about him in this time? I've learned that he's become a beautiful human being when this happened, what I've called him a beautiful human being, probably not Soda. He was a <laughs> 18 year old boy, right? <laughs> but, um, look, I, mm. I said to you before, um, we, we, we say it all the time and we, and it's written about that you can be whatever you can be and you can, mm. you know, keep being positive and this will happen. Well, you know, a prime example is sitting next to us and a prime example is my son. Um, and, uh, Look, I'm I'm so proud of where he's got to, but I'm also so thankful that it's ended up the way that it's ended up. Mm. Um, I think that if he wasn't as strong as what he is mm. and, and, and has been, that it could have ended up a lot worse mm. mentally, mm. you know. Mm. He could still be lying in that bed, mm. smoking weed every day, mm. um, feeling sorry for himself, but he decided to, to do something about it and, and, and stop
0: it and, and be the best that he can be, and that's what we all try and do um still we talked a little earlier about what you've done with kickstart for kids and the example you've set for your children and said i'm only taking a little guess here but i'm tipping what dad and Mum and, and everyone has provided you and your upbringing i'm thinking that somehow that's helped you navigate through this horrible storm
2: well yeah having a yeah, role model like dad definitely definitely helps and you know he obviously you know, not once showed any negativity towards this to me, but you know, he was going through it as well. Like everyone eyes were all on me. Everyone was like, Oh, you know, are you okay, are you okay? But yeah, like mm. dad's going like I don't remember majority of it, dad's the one that was there. Like he had to he's had to deal with this whole thing on his own. Um, mm. you know, brothers and sisters as well. No one really talks to them about it, so it's just like And your mom. Yeah, nah mum. Nah, mum she's well, she's been amazing. She's throughout the whole thing, without mum I would have been I'd be dead in a hospital bed somewhere. Like it's yeah, without my family it's I wouldn't be where I am at all. And I appreciate everything that everyone's done for me so much and it's just growing up with Kickstart and all of that around me definitely, you know, helped me, you know, just be grateful for the for the little things in life and that You know, you have to be living with a disability. You have to be grateful for the little things or else you're just going to be depressed all the time. And it's as simple as that. Like, just, you go, keep showing up, you know, look for the little things, make others smile every day and just keep doing you really and hopefully you get there.
0: (laughs) Seb and Ian, I cannot thank you enough for you having the courage to share your stories. Thank you you for
2: letting us share it on this we wanted
1: to
0: share it with you, mm. you know, We yeah. really did, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm absolutely honoured that you've given me that privilege and, boys, I'm so happy that I can look at both of your faces now and, and see some real hope and yeah. a real smile and um, I cannot wait to watch you kayak your way through and <laughs> hopefully it's Paris 2024. If not, I'm sure it's going to be something very, very close.
2: I hope so. it will
1: um, be
0: yes, pretty nice. It's going to be. Still, I've got to say, uh, as a father... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm inspired by you, mm. and if I can, you know, even take little snippets about what you talk about to implement, and anyone else listening in in the way they parent their kids, mm. um, it, we can learn a lot from you and your attitude, for you and your family and Seb. So, boys, thank you, you so much. It's no, onwards you, and
1: upwards. Yes, it is. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, you, mate. mate. Appreciate it.
0: Well, what a roller coaster of emotions. Now make sure you keep an eye out for Seb Steele as he powers his way into the world of kayaking. And you can check out Ian's brilliant charity by searching Kickstart for Kids. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review for us. And if you'd like to contact us, you can flick us an email. Info at the